Welcome to The Storytellers, the radio show and podcast that features those who choose to leave their mark on the world through the art of story. I'm your host, Grace Salmon. I look forward to our time together today. Now, let's meet our storyteller. Christina Lutzik-Berger is a Ukrainian-American, Minnesotan, Austrian transplant. She grew up in the culture-rich neighborhood of Northeast Minneapolis. She started her writing career with short stories and travel narratives. She worked as a journalist and as a managing editor at a magazine before she jumped ship and started her own writing and business career. In 2005, she debuted with a historical narrative based on her relatives' personal histories and experiences in the Ukraine during World War II. Her award-winning work focuses on themes of politics and social upheaval. And her characters bring you to places that most readers have never been. She writes to us today and comes to us today from her Alpine hut in Austria. That's thank right. You, thank you so much, Christina, for being with us today. It's my pleasure, really. Thank you very much for the invitation. I appreciate it. I appreciate you being here, and we will talk about the Alpine Hut, but mm -hmm. I want to start with the love I have of historical fiction, and I find the more that I do the Storytellers episodes, I'm increasingly drawn to it. I find, at least for Americans and for this American, I am woefully ignorant of a lot of history, and I think that Europeans are not that, and you straddle both worlds, so talk a little mm -hmm. bit about writing history and what your perceptions perhaps of those two worlds are okay thank you um so <laughs> i thought i would be writing comedy like rom-com you know a little bit <laughs> like yeah um what was the name of the bridget bridget jones meets yes. alif shafak that's what i wanted to do <laughs> if you can even see the two it's not combined. what you did <laughs> it's not what i did um when i when I was asked once why I became a historical fiction writer. It took me a long time to figure this out, but I realized that the books that I loved most when I was growing up, Little House on the Prairie, uh, Client of the Cave Bears. I even, oh, I, even I loved that. I loved it too. Um, I, I even read um, oh, Conan the Barbarian, um, Little Women, all of these books that happened in the past, I was always so drawn to and stories about people that existed. I remember, I think I was 10 years old when I read Shogun and I was just fascinated by um, different cultures, different worlds, um, and especially how people used to live in the past. And I think a lot of that has to do with um, the fact that I grew up in a family who they were... Um, World War II refugees that came from Ukraine and Europe from the DP camps. And my grandmother, who just died on Saturday, 98 and a half. Oh, God bless. I'm so sorry. Um, I'm writing her eulogy, actually, instead of working on my book. But um, and it's a long eulogy because she had a long life. It's important to do. Yeah. But she was, I think her, I feel like there's a huge vacuum in our lives right now. But she was absolutely adamant that we kids understood where they came from and what they had to do to get here um, to the states yeah 
Um, and I think that part of, of understanding my culture and my family's background, all of these things played a little bit into, um, into the direction that I eventually got to. There's also the journalistic side of me. Um, I'm very curious about how things happen. And at the moment that I smell injustice, I'm on it. As soon as I, as I um, feel that there's underdogs who have a story to tell, I am on it. And that is kind of how um, one of the reasons that I ended up in Europe was because I was researching my family's history. And one of the reasons I stayed was because of how much history there is here, you know? So everywhere I traveled, I was finding stories and discovering things um, where I thought, does anybody not know about this? How come we never <laughs> knew about this, you know? Um, and those were the things that were inspiring uh, the stories that I began telling and writing. And it wasn't until I was writing The Girl from the Mountains that I realized I was writing about my grandmothers, both my grandmothers, that I realized um, my other grandmother, my maternal grandmother actually wrote historical fiction, but it wasn't a genre back then. But she wrote about the, the Cossacks, you know, that used to ride the steps and she wrote about the Hitmane and she would write about wars. And so like, I didn't even make this, this connection until I was writing her story again. And I realized actually, you know, in today's day and age, she would be considered a historical fiction writer, you know? So a lot of different things drove me in to this direction. I'm I still funny that. though. I do. I love that. <laughs> I love that link between you and that grandmother. So that's very, very special. Yeah. And why do you think, and, and this is, you know, my bias, Americans don't have a sense. We have a very short history, you know, in this country. I have friends who are in Europe and they can date back, you know, thousands of years, this ruler, that conquest. And their history is far longer than ours. And Americans just don't have that. What do you have a sense of why that might be? Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm just going to take a, a, a random guess here. My, my husband and I, we were traveling through Minneapolis um, visiting my family, and we went to one of the first houses that were ever established it's a, sitting in a park um, near Minnehaha Creek. And he said, wow, 1831. That wasn't so long ago. <laughs> you know? Yes. yes. And, and really, be, Americans would probably be able to trace back their ancestry up to the point that their ancestors arrived in America, you know, um, but we're still a very young country in we, comparison we are in, we as are a country. Indeed. Yeah. You also tell an interesting story because you put all of your characters um, in situations where they're under great duress. And then they have to face the good, the bad, and the ugly of their times and also of themselves. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that. Um, so I'm a hobby psychologist and I'm actually, by day, I work as a communications um, trainer. And so what I do is I, I, I work with companies on not just learning how to say or what to say, but how to say these things and learning soft skills and learning how to better communicate, better to listen. Yeah. And I find that most conflicts come from people not listening to each other. And that, um, that we assume to know what somebody says, and we never really give them a chance to, to clarify. So I work in that, but I also love um, stories of moral dilemmas and the 
I, I mentioned this before, the underdogs, as soon as I smell injustice, you know, um, then I'm on that story. So these David and Goliath things, you know, industry against the small people, um, politics or the system against the small people, those those are really the ones that I'm interested in. I never liked politics until I started writing. Now I'm like fascinated by it because it's got so much fodder for <laughs> conflict, you know, and for dealing with moral dilemmas. It's been, it's phenomenal. And I love this. I love seeing, I like throwing my, all of my characters are somehow um, from different areas, from different cultures, have different understandings, different languages. Um, in my Russian Valley series, it's always the Italians against the Germans. And I use language to, to really create conflict, um, to create these misunderstandings that then, you know, lead to, to greater conflicts and to greater plot developments. <laughs> um, and I think your day job of being precise in language mm -hmm. rolls beautifully into your writing because your writing is both beautifully lush, but also very mm -hmm. frank. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to just read a very small part of the very beginning of the prologue of The Woman at the Gates, um, which I'm thoroughly enjoying, and I'm not finished yet, but I'm thoroughly enjoying it because the language is so rich. You're talking the very beginning in the prologue. It was Constantine who evoked the memory of apricots a memory so strong, the air suddenly bloomed with golden, sun-warmed scent. Antonia pulled her nephew closer to her, like a cushion against the impact, and dropped the children's picture book flat on her lap. She remembered the caress, I'm sorry, she remembered the carelessness of that sweet, perfumed juice running down her chin, the feel of her lover's fingers catching that drop, and putting it to her lips. And she remembered the apricots that sustained her sister's family on a horrible journey into darkness. So right there in that first paragraph, we see the conflict of the lushness and also that those fruits were somehow sustaining. And right after that, you talk about her young nephew who's with her and how he has no memory of before the war. Mm -hmm. And you introduce the displaced person's camp. And I love that in this book, at least, you're taking a slice of history that most people aren't familiar with. It's mm -hmm. the war and then there's after. After the war. Mm -hmm. Why did you pick that? Um, because so few people understand how um, the displaced people came to the United States after World War II. And when I was, when I was doing the research um, here, from here, from Austria, from, from Germany, I went and visited the deep, this DP camp. Um, it's about three and a half hours drive for me. Um, took my brother, took my mother. Um, I felt that these were just as important in forming my characters and the people that I eventually grew up to know. Um, I write this in, in my author's note. I, I grew up with the people who are composites or who, the characters in the book are composites of, of real people. I grew up with those people. And it wasn't until I sat down to interview them that I realized how much history and how much of, of that European part, this between losing their homeland and not being able to return to Ukraine because it was under Soviet control, 
and coming to America that this purgatory <laughs> in yes. between stage, yeah, is so little talked about in historical fiction. We always go to the end of the war and we're like, okay, yay, the bad guys won, the good guys didn't. No, there was so much going on afterwards. And I find that um, there's a lot of stuff happening right now in, in, um, in these streaming, uh, in, in, in the historical um, streaming films now, where they're starting to go into the Cold War. And as a matter of fact, I have just pitched a concept to my publisher that would also take me into the 50s because I find that time right between, you know, or right after World War II and into the Cold War, so fascinating, everything that was happening politically. And that was a, a transformation time for my relatives. Um, that moment, and a, a good third of the book happens during that period, is where people are trying to find each other. There's so much drama that happened. You have to understand people were on the run they were fleeing the Russians on one side, trying to get away from the Nazis on the other side. Yeah, um, And they were spread apart. My grandmother, the one who had just passed away, she marched through the Alps, the, the mountains, on her way to Salzburg so that she could get into an American zone. Because she knew if the Russians captured them, I don't know if most people know this, but Stalin had a decree that anybody who was found off of Soviet territory was considered a traitor. These people were captured by the Russians, returned to the Soviet Union, and sent to gulag camps. So they were on the run. My, my grandmother's family was blacklisted. My other grandmother's family, they were, they were the um, executed Renaissance intelligentsia. Um, they were already running before the war. Uh, they wanted to get out. So I felt that time in, in Europe was, had to be presented. And not only that, but you're going to find that they actually end up in America. And this search for identity, this search for home, this search for, you know, I've got a bunch of patriots who are fighting for their country and doing everything possible and facing horrible questions about what is right or wrong in this process. And then they are scattered to the winds. And now they have to somehow come together and try and reunite to save their country from the Soviet Union. My grandmothers, my grandfathers, my relatives were politically active to this day, to this day, but politically active up to that point in trying to free Ukraine from Soviet control. So you can imagine there was a huge party in the 80s when Ukraine finally was like, we're independent. Yeah. So it's such a personal story and so amazingly beautifully told. I said earlier how lush your language is, but then it's also frank. You have just a sentence where I was totally immersed in the beauty of your language. And then you said something like, and then he would be like that if he hadn't been just shot dead. <laughs> and I was like, but that's, that's the impact of mm -hmm. that running and that um, level of political involvement. Yeah. One of the things I'm fascinated by are authors who have very, very diverse lives. You've already alluded to the fact that you're a coach during the day. Um, and I and I think that that does play well into your writing. But also, you are a coach, you're a consultant, you're a publisher, you're a business owner, and you write prolifically. How many <laughs> books have you written in the last, whatever it is, three years, five books? Um, yeah, I, so The Woman at the Gates is my 10th book, officially. 
<laughs> officially officially yeah 10th book um two of them are no longer published and actually three three of my books are no longer published um they've been taken off the market but uh but well the woman at the case was my 10th novel and i am i'm loving it i'm absolutely loving it where this do you is, find the time to um, write as much as you write mm -hmm. This is what I wanted to do. Um, and the the business that came about, that ha it just happened, it just, it evolved, um, was always meant to support my writing. It was, I wanted to get a business off the ground so that it was working for me. That was always the goal. It was working for me that I would have to work really, really hard to get it running. But then at some point I could pull back and go, okay, it's working for me. I feel secure. I've got the income, et cetera, et cetera. Now I find the time to write. Um, and that's what's been happening. And in 2014, I told my husband, I said, you know, we, we went through a very turbulent time here after, um, after the, the last financial crisis in 2008, I think it was. Yeah. And slowly but surely I, I was developing things. And then I got, I got a new product out and I thought, okay, I'm feeling pretty good about this. And in 2014, I said, I, I think it's time that I that I really focus on what I wanted to do in the first place. I was already working on the Russian Valley series at that time. Mm -hmm. um, and I was not finding a publisher. And I thought, I don't care. Then I'm going to start looking in, into self-publishing. Mm -hmm. I figured I was already running a business. So I was going to take the lessons that I had learned um, and my biggest lesson that I learned is that I cannot do everything. I am not a professional at everything. I write well. I can present myself well. I love to do the social media and marketing and everything else. Um, I can write my blog, et cetera, et cetera. But I needed professionals who were going to take the book to the level that I wanted it to be at, which was high. And so I hired editors. I hired cover designers. I went on trips and ch to Switzerland and I was looking at covers. I was making sure that in the genre that I was in, that we were working with the right colors, with the right fonts, that the spine of the cover, I don't think anybody ever really thinks about this except real book cover designers. Yeah. But that the spine of the cover says just as much as the front yeah. of the cover. That was a fascinating eye-opening experience for me. But that was the thing. I wanted to learn about the business all the way around, all the ropes, everything, including learning data analysis, which I absolutely. But I, I, I did understand. it. <laughs> you know? I feel your and pain. I, and I thought, okay, these are the things that I need to hire out and I need to invest money in it. Um, and like I said, I had a business that was running really well for me. Um, my husband and I had bought a hut. Uh, we were exceptionally lucky to land this place. I mean, exceptionally lucky. It's a teeny tiny thing. We we um, heat it with a stove, um, with a wood stove. Oh, so tell us about. Give us details. Do you guys want to see? I love it that it says you're writing to us and coming to us That's, from your alpine hut. Yeah, this is the wood stove. This heats uh -huh. the entire house. Okay. okay. And we have approximately 80 square meters, which I couldn't tell you how many feet that is. You guys are going to have to Google that. Um, but it's a small little hut. And um, we loved it. My husband and I were like, this is perfect. His kids had grown up. I didn't have any. And we thought for the two of us, this is fabulous. You know, we don't have a, we don't have a, a neighbor 
in both directions a kilometer apart, you know, so it's excellent. And it had always been my dream to write like this. So at that point, I said, all right, now I've got, I've got the financial breathing space. I have money. I can invest in this. And I started learning the ropes. And I, I put out my first books out in 2018. But I'd been working on them for eight years. Yeah. So it wasn't like I just went like that and published. I had been working on them for eight years. Publishers were not interested. I said, I'm going to put it out there and see what happens. And then one thing led to another. I decided I was going to put a short story magnet out there. Um, and I felt kind of cheap just putting one short story. So I said, why don't I go back to the very first debut novel that I'd ever written, which was about my family. <clears throat> and I'm going to just select five or six anecdotes and rewrite those stories. And it was amazing. Like, I, I had just, I, I realized how much I had developed as an author because I could take... I'll, let me put it this way. My first debut novel was a blockbuster hit as much as a docudrama would be, you know, like it was so thick with, mm -hmm. with historical information and my research. And I didn't trust myself to just tell the story. So I wrote everything that I had learned, you know, into this book. And it was very it typical was, of a first novel, right? Sure. Right. Right. So so I took that and I said, okay, I'm going to spend like, I don't know, six weeks just rewriting five stories. And I did, and it was flowing. And for the first time, like I really, I understood my characters that I had been trying to create some 20 years ago, well, 20 years ago is maybe too much. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. It was almost 20 years ago, 18 years ago. So, <laughs> um, and I put that out and I thought, let's just see. And it, my colleagues were telling me short story collections they don't sell you know they don't sell and I said okay then I'll just make it a higher price than usual it's my best-selling book like it sells a copy a day at least at least it's and my best-selling book I love that you took the time to share with us the business of writing because mm -hmm. it is an incredible experience to get our work out in the world but then yeah. to figure out the finances of it the marketing of it so thank you for spending some time with that um as well i'm stunned that we're at the end of our time together today as we wrap up tell me something quirky and tell our listeners something different other than living in, Al in an alpine hut which i think is fabulous <laughs> um so all my life i wanted to be the female version of grizzly adams that's wonderful. And how close are you? Um, well, the older my <laughs> husband gets, the more bear-like he becomes. So there goes my grizzly. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. You know, Christine, I'm so happy we spent time together today on The Storytellers. Um, in the show notes, people can find out how to find out more about you. I hope they read all of your books. I wish you, con you. Con continued success. And Thank this has been much. a copyrighted episode of the storytellers by grace salmon and authors on the air global radio network thanks so much for watching today that concludes this episode of the storytellers i'm so glad you could be part of the story today i hope you share the stories tell your own and come back for another episode because when our stories are told everything changes i'm grace salmon